0: Perinatal Stories Australia. Welcome to Perinatal Stories Australia. My name is Rebecca and every episode we provide a listening ear to the lived experiences of mental illness during pregnancy and postpartum. I hope this podcast reduces stigma, informs listeners about support services available and inspires those on their own healing journey. More importantly, I hope you can hear these stories and know you're not alone. Thank you for being here to hold space for the stories we often keep to ourselves. Hi everyone, welcome back. I am joined today by Jess. Hi Jess. Hi. Hi. Um, Jess went through a pretty hard time her daughter was born prematurely and she did suffer from postpartum depression and anxiety but in hindsight it happened during pregnancy as well so Jess has such an incredible story to share and I'm I'm excited to hear what she has to say not excited I'm, I'm you
1: can be excited
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm honored that she trusts me to share her story so thank you
1: no definitely no I've listened to like the other episodes and they're amazing it's just yeah so nice to get it spoken about it's yeah I think it's definitely not spoken about enough. How are you feeling? I'm nervous I like I think I feel good like I told my story many times I think it's just like official. <laughs> yeah I think I've actually despite it being horrific at times I think I have always because yeah. i'm a psychologist as well oh. so i suppose that probably i don't know if it helps or hits. Yes. <laughs> um, sometimes i sort of was like would be nice to be clueless <laughs> i'll start with pregnancy because i think that definitely um is where it all began yeah um i've always been a bit of an anxious person but i've always felt it was managed well um it didn't interfere with my life Um, and that was sort of my, that was my line, you know, I could still do everything. It was just at points I had that anxiety occurring. Um, and I have had a previous diagnosis of depression probably like eight years ago, going through uni and just, it was just one of those really crappy times. So I did go on meds at the time, but I came off them quite quickly. Like I would say within sort of six months, I was able to come off them and I didn't have to go back on them again. So it was sort of quite a short-term thing. Whereas anxiety has sort of, yeah, always lingered, but depression has not. Um, And I'm quite a positive person, which I think I really struggled with with pregnancy because it was just mind-blowing the difference that I think I suppose I'm blaming the pregnancy hormones because it it literally started like the second that I fell pregnant essentially that I just lost all optimism. Um, yeah. I was just such a wreck. But I suppose, yes, yeah, starting like early pregnancy, we had planned to fall pregnant. Um, I was going through my registration to become a psychologist. Being a planner, I had planned to finish that and then fall pregnant, and we did. We ticked the boxes, um, and we were really lucky. We fell pregnant quite quickly, Um, but I actually thought hadn't realised I was pregnant. I'd taken a test too early, so it was negative, and then I had some spotting. So I had thought that I had my period, so I didn't really think much of it. And then I started to have symptoms, and I remember, like, it was vividly, I hadn't said anything to my husband. He'd gone to work, and I went and took the test, glaring two lines, and I guess, like, from that instant... What I had envisioned was that movie scene of like doing the test and waiting and like seeing the really faint line, whereas it was just this glaring like two lines. And I literally was like, it was actually wild, like immediately just this overwhelming anxiety and just panic because I suppose, yeah, I wasn't prepared. I was, I'd sort of taken it, but I was like, it's not going to happen. It's going to be negative. Um, And I just remember I called my cousin and I was hysterical hysterically crying and I was like I'm pregnant like sobbing and she was just like didn't you want this like <laughs> you were trying and I was like but yeah I do but what do I do like what do I do now so yeah so I was just a wreck and it, literally from that moment the anxiety just spiraled and then I told my husband he was just so excited but I just was a wreck I was instantly started to think like what if I miscarry? what if something goes wrong still had spotting so then that was stressing me out because I was like is this a miscarriage am I going to lose the baby don't get attached because it may not last and yeah and I remember I was probably about a week after I still had spotting and I was starting to get really stressed and I went back to the doctor and I was like can I get another HCG test because at least if I know it's rising that will comfort my brain to some degree Um, and I remember he said to me, it was just like a general GP and he was lovely, but he was like, look like, yeah, I can do it. He's like, but if something's happening, like we can't stop it. And I was like, no, I know that, but I just, I need the numbers to show that they're rising to make me feel better. So obviously it was fine. It was rising, but it just, I'm not a crier and I cried every day. At one point my husband came home, like I think he's probably seen me cry. We've been together almost 10 years and I'm not a crier. So he has probably seen me cry like a handful of times the entire time we've been together. And I just remember he came home one day and I was hysterical and he was like, what's wrong? Like, has something happened? Like I was only like a few, like probably a week or two post finding out or having a baby. And I was like, what if something happens? Like, what if something, and he's like, has nothing has though? And I was like, no, but what if it does? Um, and then my original plan pre-pregnancy was that I wanted to tell people quite early. Cause I was like, if something does happen, I do want that support, but I couldn't, I just, I didn't want to tell anybody because in my brain, If we told people it made it real and if it made it real and something happened, it would be worse, which is so illogical because even if we didn't tell people and something happened, it would still be horrific. Um, But I just couldn't. And then I think we were 13 weeks pregnant. And so we started to tell people and they were just so excited. And I just remember thinking like, I felt like I was faking it. I just... I wasn't excited I was excited but I wasn't like it was just this disconnect as time went on I did start to get more excited it just it took time and I never really had that connection feeling which I think at the time I knew was okay and I know, I, you know, I suppose I've done a lot of reading because that's me. I like to be informed. So I had done a lot of reading and I knew that not everyone does feel that connection. Um, my cousin, she was actually pregnant at the same time. Um, and she, she she had that, she loved being pregnant. She felt that connection to her baby. And whereas I just sort of said, like I was like, I don't feel a connection. Like I, I know I will love her when she comes, but I at the moment, I just want her here because I'm so anxious and stressed that I can't fathom a real life, baby occurring um and so yeah so it took some time but it just it was horrific and I just remember like the one thing that I realized looking back at the story um the one thing that i had completely forgotten which is just crazy because it was such a horrific time was I was I would say I was about 14 weeks pregnant and families knew by this point and we were going away for the weekend and by this point the spotting had resolved so I think that calmed me a little bit you know things were going to be okay and I guess mentally felt like I was past that safe point which is just so silly because there's no safe point but you know the the designated safe point in society <laughs> um but yeah so no I remember we were going down south so I was driving and we went we stopped at a servo I went to the toilet and I had the t- tiniest bit of spotting like it was (laughs) looking back it was literally like a dot but I just melted down and I I got back in the car and I'd sort of shut down a little bit and Troy was like what's wrong and I was like nothing like it's fine I did not want to stress him out and I was just trying to rationalize but then as we drove like I just crumbled and I had said to him like I was like I just had some like spotting and he like he didn't really understand and then I just was hysterical and it was it was raining and I was crying. I was literally, I couldn't even see the road. Like, he was, like, pull over. So I had to, like, I pulled over and just sat there. And I just remember like it was just gut-wrenching sobbing because I was just, like, this is it. Like, we're in the middle of nowhere. And it was all fine, obviously. <laughs> so we went down and I just, but I just felt numb. Like, I just felt crap. Um, but I think that was one of the biggest moments that I sort of was, like, things aren't good. Like, it was just... I didn't feel optimistic I didn't feel I felt heavy I just felt like I had something on my chest the whole time but I sort of was like it will get better and I didn't I was open like we I had a private OB and I was open with him that I was anxious because I guess I'm an anxious I am an anxious person so I do know that I'm a chronic overthinker um So I did tell him but I think I present well as well like it's not like I was in his office crying I was honest but yeah not I suppose he didn't really ask in-depth questions um Mm. and I think I kept spiraling I kept thinking what could happen I was obviously googling and then every symptom I was like is this normal is this not normal um and things got a bit better once I started to feel her move a little bit um because I think it sort of meant that she was real it was yeah yeah, it was just I could sort of had something to tell me that I was still pregnant um so I had my OB appointments which he did and did like bedside scans and stuff which was really helpful because it helped my anxiety to see her every time but I used to just remember holding my breath like every single scan I would hold my breath until he was like there's her heartbeat and he was just so upbeat and happy and like Troy and him were like yeah look a heartbeat and I was just like (laughs) Um, okay like okay there's she's still there like she's still okay and it's Um, such a protective behavior that we do that to yep.
0: protect ourselves like oh we're not going to be happy just mm. in case yes yes i know it's not logical but it's no. logical to yeah. us at
1: the time like i knew it was illogical but i was like this is still what i need to do yeah so i remember i had this one midlife appointment to book me into the hospital and i went in and she did the the edinburgh scales with me really it really frustrated me probably like backtracking a tiny bit but yeah I was going to ask about this because
0: you wrote this on your submission, and I was like, "You oh, need to talk about this." I literally
1: this. couldn't remember what I wrote on it. I was like,
0: <laughs> "I was like, I can't remember what I told you." I was really interested in hearing about this because, as you said, you're an anxious person. You don't hide your anxiety, but I- I'm going to let you talk.
1: Yeah, no, I was very, very open. Like, I at no point did I go into my appointments being like things are wonderful, things are great, I I often did say, like, oh, I'm really – I am anxious. And obviously I presented and, like, originally saying I was worried. Um, But, yeah, I was very open that I was an anxious person. But I think because I was presenting okay, um, and I guess I wasn't – I say I was open I wasn't fully open because I wasn't going into those appointments being like I'm anxious I'm worried that my baby's going to die yeah I'm worried that I'm gonna miscarry I was worried I was gonna have a stillbirth I was just I was spiraling but I wasn't saying that but I was just like I'm anxious but no one questioned me any further so yeah I went to this midwife appointment and I did the Edinburgh scales and I also was open I'm a psychologist I know how to like not that I faked the scales I'll say that now like I I was honest um but I could have and it's you know I know how these things work um and it was quite interesting that people didn't click to that because I imagine there probably is people that do like it's very easy to not tell the truth on them so yeah so no I remember like I obviously had no thoughts of self-harm or suicide so you know as as yeah as a psychologist I know that is a good thing so I was already like cool you know that's I'm not worried for my own safety but I remember the one question that I just even looking back was um was like something along the lines of do you cry for no reason and I was like well no I don't because I always have a reason (laughs) so I was like no I don't so I scored fine and I I said to her as well like she was like how are you going and I was like oh look like I am quite anxious like I definitely am like struggling with the anxiety she didn't question me any further and if she had it, like I think I would have been open because I think at that point I was sort of starting to, I think it must have been about 20 or so weeks. I was starting to sort of realize that it wasn't acceptable. But then I think I was, I was still in denial. Like I was sort of like, well, if no one's questioning me, it must be fine. It will be. Yeah, it will get better. Like it will be fine. I remember leaving, and I was really angry because it was, it was ironic, actually, because I remember being like, "Well, I'm fine," but what if she doesn't question someone who's not fine? But looking back, I wasn't fine <laughs> at all. But I was like, "But yeah," it just really frustrated me because I think as yeah, as a mental health professional, it just how many women are slipping through the cracks and at the risk of just having a conversation and sort of asking someone to expand on their anxiety could have made a difference because I think that was the point that I think if she had asked me and I had told her that they probably would have brought up medication and looking back I probably should have made better guidance. and just
0: going back sorry to that question yes there's a reason to us whether it's yeah. logical to other people yeah. it is a reason like yeah. i was crying because i couldn't decide on what nappy rash cream to buy my son mm. and i cried for a week yeah. because i thought if i made the wrong choice uh, you know this is life or death for my baby but there's a reason in my head yes. but yeah as you say sometimes the questions aren't worded in a way that will prompt conversation like okay when they asking me you know do I cry for no reason I would say yes because even though I thought it was a reason I know yeah. they're not going to think it's about. so I was honest in that sense but I knew to do that yeah whereas
1: I wasn't because I was like well actually no I'm crying for a reason so yeah and then but then I think yeah and I, you know looking back I probably should have I should I should have initiated the conversation but then I was like I was in no place I was just you know, I am now because I'm doing better now, but I wasn't. And it just, yeah, frustrated me so much. And I think it was, again, when I was like writing this all out, I remember reading it the other day and I was like, how wild that my mental health in pregnancy was worse than how my mental health was when I had a baby three months early. I actually coped better mm. after she was here. Um, yeah. Because like the second they pulled the placenta out, felt like myself again it was absolutely insane i just remember laying in recovery and i literally just felt like myself it was like the weight had been lifted off my chest i felt like i could be optimistic you know i went through the whole pregnancy so low so anxious and just so not optimistic and i'm such an optimistic person so yeah that was about yeah 20 weeks with the midwife and then yeah we hit 24 weeks and yeah again that illogical feeling of like 24 weeks like she's viable so if something happens then hopefully she'll be okay which is just yeah so ironic because something did happen something did happen (laughs) um I went on school holidays and I had had a change of movements but I Know that that's quite normal when you go from like your daily routine, from being at work every day to being on holidays. So she was still moving, but the movements changed a little bit. But then I was like, "Oh, have they changed because I'm on holidays?" And I ended up at one point going in for a check because I hadn't really felt her, and they just did the Doppler, and they were like, "No, all good." And they sort of said because I was 26 weeks, they weren't hooking me up to the CTG. And then I saw my OB on the Monday. He obviously looked at the stuff and wasn't concerned, and he did a quick scan, and all seemed fine. He had done like blood pressure and obviously we were start like we'd done a fair few of the urine samples and that all came back fine and then I was back at work by this point and by the Friday, I couldn't remember feeling her move, but I sort of was like, I've been busy, I've been moving, not gonna stress, I'll just wait. And I was really conscious of resting and waiting and seeing if I could feel her move, and um, I couldn't. And I do got to like Saturday night. I remember messaging my cousin, and I was like, oh, like I don't know, am I being anxious? And is it just me overthinking? And she was like, just go. I said to Troy, I was like, I think I'm just going to go in. Like, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to sleep at this point. Like, we just need to go and get checked because I was stressing myself out. They hooked me up to the CTG, which I was really grateful for in hindsight because I think I was still at that gestation where they could have just done the Doppler and sent me on my way so I'm just so grateful that the midwife that admitted me she just put me on that because if they had have just done the Doppler I would have got sent home and we would have had a very different outcome but because they hooked me up to the CTG they immediately like they found a heartbeat and some like movement but they were like are you not feeling that and I was like not feeling anything so I was like obviously it's like so relieved because I was like well she's you know she's alive she's got a heartbeat she's moving and so they they were like we're just going to keep you for a little bit monitor for a bit longer and they'd done a year and sample and taking my blood pressure. And I remember it was about. Probably thirty minutes of being on the CTG, and one of the midwives came back in and they kept asking me questions. They were like, "When did you see your OB?" You're like, "What? What did he say?" Well, and I was like, "Everything was fine." And so then they, when they kept questioning, I was like, "What's happening?" And her heart rate was varying on the CTG, so they were obviously they were starting to panic. And then they tried to take blood from me, and I've never had an issue getting blood in my life. Um, they could not find a vein, and they came back in again, and I sort of was like, "Oh, I'm sure it's fine." They're just double checking. Um, like complete denial Um, and it was so ironic because I've gone like this whole pregnancy overthinking but we're sitting in this hospital hooked up to something my baby's heart rate's varying and I'm like I'm sure it's
0: fine <laughs> um, isn't that funny like when yeah. there's nothing to worry about we worry yeah. but when there is something to worry about we're like no 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 yeah I'm just, just gonna
1: try to protect myself yeah and I actually do thrive in chaos I, I work in a very stressful job um so I actually do so much better when the world is falling apart around me than when I'm sitting quietly because I actually have something to focus on but no it was funny because I remember they came in and it was about nine o'clock at night at this point and the midwife came in and she was on the phone and she was like oh, I've just just got your OB on the phone and that was the moment I was like you've rung my OB on Saturday night at nine o'clock something's wrong like and that was the moment I was like shit but my husband (laughs) Troy was so calm because he also was half asleep he had been out with friends the night before so he barely slept because who would have thought that he needed to be present um so he was just sitting in the chair like half asleep and he was just like oh yeah actually it's fine um and I was like that was I was starting to get suspicious and I'm hyper aware of like I suppose people's manner and like the way they speak, but I just remember they started to get stressed, they were walking quickly, whispering to each other, and I was just like, "Just tell me what's happening, because I know something's wrong now." Um, they put me up to a drip. They said that the my like I was dehydrated, which I found hilarious because I've never been dehydrated in my life. And then they did a blood sample, and then yeah, it came back that I had like severe preeclampsia, but I had no symptoms. So they kept questioning me. They were like, "Do you have headaches? Do you have blurry vision? Do you have?" And I was, I had nothing. And one of my best friends has had preeclampsia And I was hyper aware of the symptoms It was obviously It was one of the things on my list Of like yeah. overthinking um, Yeah, I had nothing And it, so it was just insane Because I'm like How do I have preeclampsia? How was I fine on Monday? Didn't make any sense So they got an OB in Because mine was um, out for dinner an hour away It was very helpful <laughs> So they got another one in But she actually happened to be my cousin's OB So that was really comforting oh, Because yeah. I um, obviously I knew who she was So it was just comforting to have someone that I knew was nice um it makes such a difference like it's such
0: a small thing yeah
1: really (laughs) yeah yeah. and I remember saying to her I was like oh I know who you are (laughs) um and so she did an ultrasound and she looked at the placenta flow and it reversed so it wasn't functioning essentially she wasn't getting the nutrients she needed and so she was like we're gonna send you to King Eddie's which is an hour away from my house and at the time I was still clearly delusional because I was like, okay, like we'll just drive up there. Like I was thinking we'd just like leave and get in the car and we would drive ourselves up. And we also had our birth class booked the next day. And so she was like, we've called an ambulance. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean we've called an ambulance? And then both the OB and King Eddie's had said nothing would happen that night. They were like, we're going to send you up. We're going to do monitoring. We'll do more tests in the morning. So I had said to Troy, I was like, don't bother coming up. Like it's an hour drive. Like you've barely slept. Go home, get some sleep. Come up for like 7.30, 8 o'clock. We agreed that was fine. And yeah, obviously the OB and the hospital that I was going to had both said like, no, we'll do further tests later. So we did that. I got up to the hospital at about 1am and they hooked me up to the CTG again. And within an hour they were like, call your husband, like she's going to have to come probably soon. They'd said to me like, you're not going to be pregnant in two weeks time um and that was the first time i cried like in that whole time because i think i'd managed to keep myself really calm because i was like well i'm in the best place i can't do anything but i just remember them saying that to me and i just was like like i burst into tears i've got six weeks left of work like what do you mean i'm not going to be pregnant in two weeks time and then things spiraled like it obviously they were like no like you need to call him so i called him and i just felt so bad because yeah he didn't know any of this so he's getting this call he had to drive an hour but yes and now we're going to try try to delay it but then they were like no nah, she has to come now so i had to call him again and be like when you get here i'll be in theater turns out he didn't know what theater was so when he got to the hospital i actually had got to the point i was prepared i was alone like i had sort of they'd done the epidural i was in the i was yeah. in the operating room and they'd said it had to be a c section we couldn't have done a um like induction like I was like I'm not having an induction anyway at this point like get her out and it's so funny because yeah the birth class we had booked was hypnobirthing class my goal was to have a really like intervention free birth Um, and we had obviously the complete opposite <laughs> we had all the interventions so yeah they they took me through and I just remember laying there and being like I'm on my own like he's not going to get here in time you know it's such a long drive and I but I, I'd accepted it I was just I was doing all my deep breathing and the midwife she was just beautiful obviously her job was to be with me she just sat yeah. with me and the anesthesiologist was lovely I remember when they were like walking me down he was like I can give you something extra to help with like anxiety and I was like put it in like <laughs> <come> <laughs> in. Give me all that. <laughs> I think mine did the same <laughs> Yeah. I was like, give me that. That would be great. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so he got there. We we found out later he got there with two minutes to spare. Yeah. And I just remember them saying your husband is here and just the relief like, oh, okay. Then I sort of felt that I could like let go a little bit because I'd sort of was like, it's just me I have to survive this I have to get through it yeah. and he walked in the room and yeah I found out he obviously he didn't know what theater was so he got to the hospital and was like just looking for my wife and they've like shoved him into this operating theater um but yeah he made it with two minutes to spare and I also found out afterwards that he did not understand in his tired state when I rang him and said um leave now don't speed but leave now wasn't apparently urgent enough for his brain because he almost stopped for McDonald's <laughs> And I think he was just like, he was half asleep. And like, I was like, if you had have been not made the birth, like I was accepting that he wasn't going to make it, but if he hadn't have not made it because he stopped for McDonald's, oh, I was like, I would have rather you never told me that if that was the case. Like I would have rather you kept that a secret for the rest of your life. Yeah. So we didn't have to worry. He, did, he made it. He didn't get his McDonald's, but oh my God. Um. So yeah, uh, we were just obviously, we are laying there and he, he, I remember he walked in, he's all gowned up and he sits next to me and he goes, what's happening? And I was like, the baby's coming. What do you think is happening? But, yeah, he didn't know what theatre was. I think he was just like, he just couldn't process. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so they obviously, they pulled her out. And I just remember laying there and I was, I was doing my deep breathing. And I was just waiting. And the room was silent. There was so many people in the room. Obviously, they were working on me. And then there was a team ready for her. And they, they like, they said who everybody was. And everyone was just beautiful. It was just, it was such a nice experience considering It was so stressful. It it could not have been a nicer experience for what it was. Everyone was so respectful and I felt really informed the whole way through. But they pulled her out and she cried. And I just, oh, my God. Like, I know everyone says that that's, like, the most magical sound. But I was like, oh, it was just ten times the most magical sound because she was 28 and 5. And I just, like, I I cried. (laughs) I was just... I just remember this relief, like, that she... Yeah, that she could breathe. Like that was all I could think. Like she's she's breathing. And so they like they took her straight over to the NICU team. But yeah, she was actually like stable enough that they were able to bring her over to me for me to look at. She was so little, like she was a thousand and five grams. Um, like teeny tiny, which was just such a relief. So yeah, Troy went down with her to the NICU and then I went through to recovery. And then yeah, like I said earlier, that relief and it was just insane because i've just had a baby like almost three months early that's the time i should be falling apart like that's the time i should have been an anxious mess but because i actually like yeah felt like myself again i could be optimistic and my brain was like logical again and i felt okay about it all i wasn't able to see her i actually had to pretty much beg to see her that afternoon because i couldn't walk so they wheeled me down so i could meet her like they took me down in the bed um and the thing I really I say struggled I think I knew that it was okay again because I was back to my normal self but I didn't feel a connection like I knew she was mine I just remember being relieved she was okay I'm so grateful that she was here and okay but I didn't feel that overwhelming connection. Did you feel like you were beating yourself up
0: for not feeling that connection? Not so
1: much to be honest because I think I was able to be a bit more logical by that point and I I know it's normal. So I think yeah. I had, you know, I have heard a lot of stories where people don't feel that connection straight away. So I was I actually was quite gentle on myself in that this will happen. Um, the next day was probably the hardest in the hospital because I suppose I think I was just running on adrenaline because I hadn't slept, I don't know, 48 hours at this point. So I had slept Sunday night and then the hospital psych came in. So we actually got access, or I say we, I got access to a psychologist until Charlotte was twelve months old. So um, That's incredible. Really, really good. So we got so many services which obviously, you know, if we didn't have to go through this process would have been great. But what we got was really what everyone should be offered. But yeah, I had a psychologist I could see. So she saw me that day. um, And I just remember thinking like, oh, my God, I was a mess. Like I was in tears. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like she probably thinks that I've lost the plot. But I remember a session, another session I did with her, I said something about like being a wreck that day. And she was like, no I thought you were doing really well like you were really like okay this is the plan this is this and and we didn't have to worry about work leave because we planned to have a baby so I, I knew I had a year off so I was able to just sort a call work it was I still had work that I had to do so we you know that was a bit of a logistical nightmare but we got it done um so we didn't have to stress about those things that a lot of people do with how are we going to do this it was we were an hour away from the hospital, but we still were classed as Metro. So we didn't get accommodation. So we had to drive up every day and Troy had to have time off anyway, because I couldn't drive. Um, so yeah, so, it, you know, that we were very blessed in that. We, we didn't have a lot of the problems that a lot of people have to manage, but I, yeah, I was discharged quite quickly. We discharged less than 72 hours. And I remember being like, you have to keep me for 72 hours but apparently they don't um so i just remember like being like oh and they discharged me like i didn't get discharged till four o'clock in the afternoon and then they were like oh we've booked you a midwife appointment for 8 a.m the next day and we live an hour away yeah so we had to leave home at like seven 6am the next day to like get up there and I just remember like couldn't you just keep me an extra night and just we went down to the NICU to see Charlotte before we left and just leaving the hospital without your baby is just horrific it it just felt so unnatural um we left the hospital and I like held it together and we literally like I got in the car and I just sobbed like halfway down the freeway and I remember dreaming like what's wrong and I was like we just left her but he had done that for like three days already So he had had to leave me and her so this was the first time I had to do it and it did it got easier to a degree because we got used to it but just that first time was just shit like going home and I just remember like walking in and being like now what like what what do we do now like and I really tried to not we had a potential three-month hospital stay ahead of us with her. So potentially, you know, three months of driving back and forth and this being our life. So I really tried to not think of it as a whole. I tried to really just focus on, like, day by day, which really, really helped. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of the NICU journey. I think, yeah, it's ironic. That's probably the time that looking at, like, your whole, my whole story, that's probably the time I should have been falling apart and should have been highly anxious. But I actually coached really well um I think because it was structured like I do well with structure I knew I knew she was safe like she you know she was with nurses and doctors they were keeping us informed we visited every day we just got into a routine like it was you know express drive to hospital express again hold the baby express again (laughs) drive home um but it just was yeah I I really coped remarkably well really um with that Troy struggled with the hospital he really struggled with sort of just feeling like he was sitting there um and you can't do much like I suppose you can you can hold her um but and we were really lucky she did so well like she we had the dream the dream NICU journey in a sense like we she did everything when she was meant to so we were well yeah very blessed in what we were able to do with her and hold her regularly. Um, But he really struggled with that. But I do remember like the one thing that really stuck with me about that whole time was I obviously mentioned earlier about not feeling that connection. Um, And it took me, it took a little bit, but I just remember so vividly, there was one moment that I literally felt like her mum, like, and it was just, it all came into place. Like it was probably I'm going to say it was less than a week. I think time time was very warped in the NICU. I sort of it felt like months and it had been like three days. Um, but it was probably less than a week. And I remember she was like in her little community crib and we she was holding my finger. And obviously it's a reflex. Like they grab your finger. But we were like, oh, look, she's holding our finger. Um, and she, yeah, she grabbed my finger. And we were neat, like we were going home. And so I went to take my finger out and she opened her eyes and like went to grab it again. And so I was like, well, and I had this thing in my brain again. it's so illogical, but I couldn't leave if her eye, like I couldn't leave if her eyes were open because I was like, I need her to be asleep because I felt better. Like, because we had to, not that I had a choice, we had to leave at some point. But I was like, if she's asleep and settled, I felt okay about leaving. So she opened her eyes and so I gave her my finger back and she closed her eyes again. And it just, so I stayed until she like released it. So she was obviously asleep. And I just remember like, that was the moment that I was like, I'm your mom. You love me. And it just like such a, such a core memory. That was really one of the biggest moments. That was the moment I felt that connection with her and felt like her mom and not just a bystander. Sitting by her hospital bedside, I actually felt like her mum. Yeah, it was just amazing. Um, and we overall had a fifty-one day stay in the NICU. We had um, the majority of the time was in the main hospital in Perth, and then we got transferred semi closer to home. It was still about. 50 minutes 40 minutes 50 minutes away um for the last two weeks which was really helpful just to not have as long of the drive and you didn't have to go like into the city so it was much better um so that was our last two weeks but that was when things started to really sort of not go downhill but started to bubble a little bit um I think because her coming home was it was on the horizon um so I think as we got closer to that it definitely started to be like it was exciting, but I think that was when it really started to be like, oh my god, like this is this is happening, like we're gonna have a home, and obviously that's the goal. But it's, it was so scary because she was still so little, um, and at the same time, I started to get a breast abscess, so that. Um, it was, it started off as sort of like a bit of an infection. So the doctor, my doctor it was incredible. She put me on antibiotics, but it just started to get worse. So by the day, the day she came home, I already had a doctor's appointment booked because at this point it was, it was so big. It was so uncomfortable. Like I was in so much pain and I'd been on antibiotics probably almost like yeah, two weeks at this point with no success. So I would had a doctor's appointment booked and then Monday morning comes and they're like, she can go home today. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, then. And I, we, oh, we knew it was coming, and but you, you never also know. Like, we were prepared it was that day, but you also never know until literally the moment the doctors do their rounds. So we were sort of like, oh, could it be? Like, so we were prepared, but we didn't know. You don't
0: want to get your hopes up. No. And
1: here. I was a wreck. And I see like, we were, we were excited, but I was just – dying inside I was so anxious I felt sick I I was sick because I had the abscess I was in pain and I was just my anxiety was just running riot because I was like we're taking her home I have to go to the doctors this afternoon how are we doing this how all your structure and routine that you had in the NICU is suddenly gone it's gone and i was like yeah. how is troy coming to the doctors with me with her because i can't go on my own like that's like i can't take her on my own right. she's just come home but then i was like if i take her to the doctors what if she gets sick and then she has to go back to hospital and but i can't leave her with troy on her own oh my god honestly like this is my brain like it was just yeah. so then and then obviously we had the First car ride home with our baby, like, oh, my God, so stressful. (laughs) First drive home with your baby in the car. And she so she wasn't even, I think she was like 36 weeks, not even 36 weeks gestation when we brought her home. So still teeny tiny, still not even full term. And, yeah, we got home. And Troy had sort of said to me, I'll do what you need to do. If you want me to come to the doctors with her, I'll do that. If you want me to stay home with her, I'll do that. My mum is like, I can come over. Like, you you tell us what you need. Um, so we decided Troy would stay home with Charlotte and my mum came over and I went to the doctors myself. And the doctor said to me, if you hadn't have just brought your baby home, I would have sent you to the hospital because it was so bad. Um, and I was just... Oh, the anxiety, like, just peaked. Um, like, that can't happen. Like, we've just left there. And the hospital she was going to be sending me to was the hospital we just left. Like, why couldn't this have been last week? Because at least if it was last week, I was already there. Yeah, obviously I was still on She's, like, giving me a referral to get it, ultrasound, and then drained and check that we're on the right antibiotics and everything. So she's given me a referral to get that done. And she was like, look, just look out for, like, all these things. If any of this happens, like, you need to go to ED. So I left and I was like, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Like, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to have to go back to the hospital. We've just brought our baby home from the hospital. And then the first night at home with our baby was just an absolute recipe for disaster. Um, So I barely slept. I was up pretty much the whole night, obviously overanalyzing every single thing I felt. I was so anxious. Like, I made myself sick. Like, I remember I threw up a few times, but then I was like, oh, my God, I vomited. This is it. I need to go to the hospital. Um this is like, I'm, I'm going downhill, like I'm going into sepsis. And so I remember ringing my mom at like 6am the next morning. And I was like, I need to go to emergency. Like I'm really sick. She was like, yeah, I'll call work. I'll come now. And they only live around the corner. So she was there within 15 minutes. But I remember she pulled in the driveway and the second she got there, I felt better. Like I didn't feel as sick. And so then I was like, okay, it's anxiety actually don't need to go to the hospital. I'm actually just really, really anxious. Um, so it was good I had that awareness. It was, still didn't help because it was there. Um, and so we, I managed to get in to get the ultrasound that morning and I had to leave again. Like I had to leave my baby again and leave her with Troy and mum and go and do that. Um, and that was sort of probably where it started, where I sort of felt a bit more of that disconnection, where that depression really started to come, like come in, um, in that it was just easier. Like it was, I think I probably shut myself off in a sense because I had to go to these appointments. Um, But I was like, it's better if they look after her anyway Um, because if I don't have to look after her, I can't do anything wrong. Um, So then like she's not, not that she's safer, but it's, I don't have to think about it. Um, because they're doing it. And I think as well, coming from that real comfort of the NICU, that structure, um, that really was, that was just the way my brain went. Um, And so I yeah, went to in the morning for the ultrasound and then they squeezed me in in the afternoon to get it like aspirated, which I was so grateful for because it was just such a relief to like get that done. And I actually had to get it done twice. It was crap. kept coming back. Um, But got that done. So then that helped a little bit because I was like, okay, well, it's drained. So it's not like, you know, it can send me to hospital at this point. So that sort of removed a little bit of that anxiety. But then I had the rest of the anxiety. I had like, the NICU is so hot. So it's like, 28 degrees or something disgusting um in there and our house is freezing and I just remember being like she's gonna be too cold like she's come from this really hot environment so then I just so many different anxieties like how do I how many layers do I put on her what if she's gonna freeze like what if she's too hot um also like health anxiety of like what if she gets sick what if I get sick? What if we have to go back to the hospital? And again, like, so logical because if she gets sick and we have to go to hospital, that's what we do. But it's not, at the time, that was the worst thing that could have possibly happened. But
0: that fear is all-consuming, yeah. whether it's logical or not. Yeah. The physical symptoms of anxiety, yeah. like, especially if you have health anxiety, those symptoms, it is not just in our head. No, I've said no. this before, but, like, our bodies yeah. take on board these symptoms and it just, it's horrific because you don't know Am I actually sick and dying or is it just anxiety? But even if it is just anxiety, how do I make the anxiety stop?
1: And it's a spiral. Absolute spiral. And I just, yeah, so this was, so this was, so yeah, Monday she came home. Tuesday I got it drained. Mum was home. But mum had had the day off Tuesday to obviously be there. Wednesday mum went to work and... Wednesday night, they mum and dad came over and I just broke down and I was like, "Can you? Can you stay? Can you have time off?" And I knew that she'd saved some of her leave. So when I fell pregnant and we told her we were pregnant, she was like, "I'm saving some of my leave." She's like, "No pressure." She's like, "But if you do need any help when baby comes, I'll have leave there for you." And oh my god, I'm so grateful that she did that. So she instantly she was like, "Of course, um, I'll stay as long as you need me to." So she, I think, she took a week off, and I'm just so glad because poor Troy, like you know, he. He was doing everything almost at this point because I just wasn't functioning. And that was within like three days. It was just so fast. I wasn't eating, like I was barely sleeping. I felt sick, like, yeah, just that all consuming anxiety. And I had to go up to the hospital again on Thursday because Charlotte had an eye scan. Um, she um, had retinopathy of prematurity, which she's now grown out of, but they had to do regular scans. So we had to do them for a little while post um leaving. And yeah, Mum and Troy came with me to that because I was just like, I cannot do I couldn't I could not function. Like I managed to express and I'm so grateful I was able to sort of do that. But I think that sort of really came back to that structure because I'd been doing that for so long already. I was like, Well this is this is the routine, so we're sticking to the routine. Um and then Thursday afternoon I just it just got worse and worse like my doctor rang me thursday afternoon to check in about the abscess and it was actually her day off so i'm just so grateful to her that she'd even rung because that really kick started that conversation about how i was really struggling because i'd already sort of by thursday was like this is not normal um this is not me And I knew that I was just sinking. Like I felt like that weight on my chest was back, but it also wasn't just the anxiety anymore. It was that depression of the constant crying. I didn't want to be around my baby. I just wanted to lock myself in the bedroom because if I locked myself in the bedroom and wasn't near her, I didn't have to think about all the things that could go wrong um and like Troy and mum would ask me a question and I would just be like I don't know I don't you make the decision I don't want to make the decisions like and which is so funny because I always make the decisions but yeah so Thursday afternoon the doctor rang and she checked in and I said to her I was like look I'm actually I'm really struggling like I was like I'm actually considering medication and she said to me she was like look like you know it is early days like you have just brought your baby home so she was very understanding But she's also like look you have to be kind to yourself too like you have just brought your baby home you've been through so much she was like but if you are really struggling and you need to see me tomorrow ring in the morning and I will see you like I'm fully booked but I will see you if you need me and so just having that lifeline there I was like that's something I can cling to so Friday morning came and I was like no this is it I can't I can't live like this this is not acceptable Um, And so I rang the doctors. she got me in and um, I remember I wrote down everything, like I wrote a list of what I was feeling because I was like, I know if I have to say it, I'll cry and then I won't be able to speak um so I wrote it all down and I literally got to her room and I was like here (laughs) read this um and so she's like read it and then she's talked about my options and sort of said look I normally wouldn't jump to medication um but you know you know she understood that I was quite self-aware of what I was feeling and um she was like I'm happy to obviously trial them um but she also gave me the option of the mother baby unit and at the time I was like no Like I, and I'm, you know, I, I didn't end up needing it, but it was, um, at the time I was like, no, like that's no way do I need that? Like, just yeah looking back I probably could have been there it um it was just the medication did work and I was able to get through it in that respect but um and I think as well I was just the idea of leaving home again I was like we just got home like I just want I just wanted to be home and I'm such a homebody so the fact that I had left the house every single day for 51 days well actually longer than 51 days because I had appointments every day when she came home I just wanted to stay home like I had literally the whole NICU stay dreamed of being home with my baby and just being in my pajamas um so yeah so she gave me medication and she just was like look you have options if you need MBU like yeah come back so she was brilliant I'm just so eternally grateful that she listened and she understood that I needed that um and she was just she she continued to be incredible like she's still she's still our GP and she just every time I see her I'm just like amazed by how wonderful she is and I'm just so grateful because I know not everybody has that experience I'm so grateful that I didn't have to fight to get help yeah um and also I was really lucky that I was able to be self-aware even in that state that that wasn't my normal because I think what I what I found was that people around me even though they know that wasn't my normal, they were sort of like, oh, you've just brought your baby home. It's really stressful. And even like my mum, like she was there watching me cry all day and like be a wreck. And she was like, you know, you just need to get some sleep. You're sleep deprived. And I was like, I'm not sleep deprived. I'm getting as much sleep as I've always gotten. Like I was like, this is not normal. So I suppose I had to fight for myself in that respect, but I'm sure they would have got there eventually. But I think they... They, it was, it was such a quick timeline. Like even when I wrote it out, I was like, it's like Monday to Friday. And it was just, you know, it went from that anxiety there to full-blown paralysis. Um. So yeah, so I started the medication, like I went to the doctor's Friday afternoon. So I started that Saturday morning and it was four days of half doses and then full. So I knew it was going to take a little bit of time to kick in. So I just sort of was persisting. Like I just had to show up. In some regard, I guess, and live life to the best I could, but I yeah, like I'd barely eaten for like a week. Um, I remember the very first thing I ate was probably like properly ate was apricot jam on toast, <laughs> and I remember eating it and be like, oh, I'm actually got an appetite. Like I actually like was able to eat it, and then I think I apricot jam on toast for like six months straight in the morning for breakfast. <laughs>
0: Well, there's such a relief when you get appetite back because I got it back in MBU. Like my background is Italian. Mm. So our lives revolve around food. So when I wasn't eating, that in itself was quite distressing because obviously it was like, oh my God, I'm going to faint. Oh my, you know, all these horrible things, but also I don't know who I am (laughs) if I'm not eating. So when I got my appetite back in MBU, it was like, yes, I was eating before, but like you
1: don't. You're just like going through the motions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that in itself is like
1: such an exciting thing. So I'm glad you got your imprequent yeah. yeah, oh, it was so funny because I wasn't really eating. Then that was manifesting by me feeling sick because I was hungry. But then I was feeling anxious because I was feeling sick and it was just this spiral. So, yeah. you know, and obviously then, you know, that progressed in that I got my appetite back and then I started to feel better. And so by the following Friday so like a week not even on like full meds there's probably somewhat of like placebo effect but I I did I felt better like it was it was slow it wasn't amazing overnight but within a week I felt some relief to those symptoms and just really was able to start to enjoy having my baby home and I think as well like you you build up this homecoming um in a sense in that your baby's in the hospital and that's so unnatural and the goal is to get them home but it it happens and then it's such a different environment and you know I'm sure people who have full-term babies have that anxiety of bringing their baby home but we have I had all that health stuff as well of like how we keep her safe and they're so regimented in the hospital. It's like three hourly temperature checks and three hourly feeds. And we kept the routine in the feeds and stuff because I'm a very routine based person. Um, So that helped. And she's always been in a very good routine and quite a good sleeper. So we've been very lucky in that regard. But like the temp checks, it took even Troy at like as well, like it took us, I would say like probably a good three, four weeks before we felt confident enough to not temp check her like because you go through every three hours at the hospital they're like what's her temperature what's her temperature yeah it really did take a lot of time to get ourselves yeah confident we obviously stayed home for a while because she you know she was teeny tiny um and also like myself I was I was very open in the sense of I was struggling we were very clear with our family and friends like everyone was amazing like we just from the minute we had her we were wrapped in so much love and support um our family and our friends were just incredible. They've give they've given us so much. They've supported us so much. And they, you know, we didn't have that horrible like experience of people just coming over uninvited. And everyone was really respectful and followed like, you know, the respect of like hand washing and sanitizing and not coming over if you're sick. Like basic things but that people don't always follow. Um but we were very lucky because we did, you know, we were very wrapped in support. Um like my mum the whole time we were in the hospital, she had a day off or half a day or something a week, where she was like, I've taken this time off and I'm coming over and cleaning your house. So every single day, every week, she cleaned our house. And then, like, like, we came home one day from the hospital and my dad was mowing the lawns and mum cooked us dinner almost every night. Yeah, it was just amazing. It makes such a difference. Yeah, and I remember, like, my cousin, she had her baby the same day as me and she was, yeah, three weeks early. So we – the universe obviously just – wanted us to go we were going through it already but the fact that it was the same day still blows our minds and probably forever will but she even though she went through her own journey and she you know she had her own struggles we managed to still be there for each other in that respect and she like she brought me these milestone plaques like she must have ordered them like literally instantly like the second I had her because they came so quick but like there were NICU milestones but just things like that like that And just even just people checking in, like um, messaging and celebrating those little milestones of like, oh, she put on like 100 grams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, just those things. So we were very blessed in that respect. Yeah, I also continued to see the King Eddie psych. So we did like Zoom sessions. So I originally saw her in the hospital, I think twice. And I was like, no, we're all good. I was coping fine. So I genuinely didn't need the sessions. But once... Things spiraled at home. I emailed and made contact with the flat like, service again, and they linked me back in with the same site. Um, so that was really helpful as well because I think I I really struggle with therapy in the sense of obviously I advocate for it because that's the space I work in, but it's really hard as a psychologist to do psycholo- to do therapy. Um, I can give the advice, I just don't take it. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> yeah. as we all do. Um, yeah. But I remember the one thing in that in the sessions that helped me the most I started to have panic attacks and I've never I don't I don't have panic attacks so I spoke with the doctor about potentially increasing the dose but she was like she's she was happy to but she was like wait it out if you can like these are your options so I wanted to just wait and see but I spoke to the psych about it and it's like it doesn't make any sense I I have no reason to be anxious. Like these these panic attacks are coming at times where there's no reason for the anxiety. And she was like, okay, stop focusing on the reason and just focus on the symptoms. Like because I was spiraling every time I'd get anxious, I'd be like, okay, I'm anxious because I have to go out. at one o'clock for a doctor's appointment. So then I'd prepare myself or I'm anxious because of this. But then the, the anxiety would come on and I'd be like, but why am I anxious? There's no reason I should be anxious. So then I would spiral and forget to do all the things to help the anxiety so I just remember like being mind blown like oh yeah like yeah that's actually really true um and so that was like such a teeny tiny thing but it actually still like has helped so much with bringing myself back and being like stop focusing on the why the why doesn't matter just focus on the deep breathing and things like that. So I've also noticed in the past, like my anxiety peaks around ovulation. So I sort of was like, is it that? Is it, you know, so I gave it a little bit of time.
0: And I'm kind of glad you brought up the fact that it can spike around ovulation. Mental illness. Yes, sometimes there's a reason. Like Mm. I went through this and it's caused X, Y, Z. Sometimes it just comes down to... Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. And I I think that a lot of people struggle to sit with that or to swallow that pill because you want to believe that there is a reason or that there's logic for it. And sometimes, as you said, that sometimes there isn't. And, you know, it could be a combination of both. Sometimes you went through something that not a lot of people go through or not a lot of people would wish to go through. Right. But also, as you said, the second that placenta came out, you felt, oh, I feel like myself again. Like, it's a combination of hormones, it's a combination of circumstance. There's not always a reason, though, and that's okay.
1: Absolutely. And I think postpartum anxiety and depression is sort of seen as this thing that happens immediately after birth. But for me, it was two two months on because I had a baby in the hospital that it wasn't, yeah, until that circumstance slightly changed that it occurred. And I do, I sort of Mm. think as well, because I'd been on antibiotics for like, you know, two to three weeks almost by that point, that didn't help the situation. Um, you know, my poor bloody gut health was horrific and, you know, there were so many circumstances surrounding that. Your
0: general health was yeah, suffering, so, so
1: that contributes Absolutely. Well. But, yeah, no, I think, yeah, that hormone imbalance and things like low iron and stuff low vitamin d things like that they do make such a big difference so i think they do um, as much as the medication helps it's not it's not the magic fix there's still it's one piece yeah. of the puzzle yeah right? for sure yeah. yeah so there's other areas i do need to focus on so but yeah no so it's sort of and it's even on the medication it still peaks at times oh, like and it is yeah ovulation for me is the moment the, the time that i've noticed yeah yeah <laughs> I'm on it currently, um, and if I if I'm on it for the rest of my life, it is what it is. Um, I think you know I will probably attempt at some point to potentially go off it down the track, um, but I'm in no rush. Like it, it's it's working, <laughs> so I will take it as long as it needs to be taken. I think I was I was lucky to be quite self aware that I got medication quite quickly. Like you know from Monday to Friday, I was medicated by Friday, and she was home on the Monday, so. I, I hate to think what would have happened if I had have left it longer. I think it would have, it would have got quite bad. It was already bad, but it would have got much, much worse. Yeah. So I stopped seeing her just before Charlotte turned one. And I felt like I felt really good I still am doing well. Like I have my moments, like I think everybody does, but in the sense of like my motherhood journey, I feel like looking back compared to how I did, like, obviously, you know, that connection didn't come straight away, but I'm so connected to her. Like I just am obsessed with her. Um, Yeah. I feel confident in my ability and I can make those decisions of like, is she too hot? Is she too cold? I can, you know, dress. I still have moments where like, you know, the weather changes within two seconds and you're like, Oh my God, Oh, like how do you dress your child when the woman changes um so it's still there but it's it's better um it's not all consuming it's sort of a very quick thought and then it's, it's resolved um and I think the health anxiety has really resolved a little bit as well like it, again it's still there it's I think it will be something that's probably always there in some regard but she's at daycare we've <laughs> we're ticking off the bingo card of illnesses and we have been so lucky in that she's handled every sickness so well and we just didn't know and I think that was a bit of the anxiety as well of like she was born three months early like what's her lung capacity are we going to end up back in hospital because that is actually so common with lots of kids but prems especially are so you know have that high likelihood of ending up hospitalized so so far like Touchwood, we have been really lucky she has she's thrived she's you know, gotten sick and we've had moments where she has been quite unwell, but we haven't been hospitalised. Um, I think every sickness, anxiety gets a little bit better. Um, That's exposure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great <at> exposure therapy. <laughs> Um But yeah, I definitely have the moments where I, you know, it does, it becomes overwhelming and I do spiral, but it's, I can bring myself back a lot easier than I could. But yeah, and I think as well, when I was thinking about like reflections overall, as much as obviously, you know, I don't wish to go through what I went through. Um, okay. But I'm grateful in a sense, because what it did allow is for me to let go of some of that control. So I think if I had have probably been coping, I really would have gatekeeped. So I think, the fact that I literally could not do anything. Like I was like, you have to do this. He had to, he had to step up and do it. And he, he did. Um, But I think because I'm a control freak, I do it all. So, it um it really showed me that, yeah, I really needed to give him more credit. And I think it did benefit in the sense of, yeah, he, he had to have her. I had to leave her with him much earlier than I would have otherwise. Um, But long-term, it meant that I could leave her with him and not feel that overwhelming anxiety that I know a lot of women go through. So it is it is a struggle, but it's, yeah, it was less overwhelming than it could have been. Um, but yeah, I think the one thing that really did pop up, I think actually when she started daycare was I really struggled I was surprised at how much I struggled because I I knew I would be like, oh, my God, it's her first day of daycare. Like, you know, it's a big moment. Um, But I thought she would get upset. I literally put her on the ground. She looked at me and crawled off. Like, catch you later. And so I was like, all right, bye. Like, like, I left. And I got in the car and I burst into tears. And I was like, what is wrong with me? But it was that it reminded me of leaving her at the hospital. And it just was so crazy of those I've had a few times where there's been little things pop into my life that I'm like, oh, like it's definitely still there. It's still a trauma that occurred that I I coped with, but it was still it was still big. And it's still, I'm sure, will continue to affect my life in many ways. Um and, you know, we have our moments. She's definitely in like full toddler stage now, where she's having her lovely little meltdowns. But there's just there's not a day that's gone by where like we'll sit on the couch in our pajamas and it's just I'm like we get to do this like we can we can cuddle her when we want to um because at the hospital you can't you know you can hold them but it's sometimes they can't be held as long because they need to be like resting and so yeah just the fact that we get to do what we want with her (laughs) because she's ours and she actually can be ours (laughs) is really nice um but, yeah, and I think um, one of my best friends, her daughter a few years ago went into the NICU as a full-term baby and that was just so helpful to have her her understanding of that because I think unless you've been there, you don't, you don't get it. Um, and everyone, despite the fact they didn't get it, they still gave me everything I needed um, in that moment. But having someone that understood, like I remember messaging her at one point after being home and being like, will I stop being so anxious and stressed about the fact that she's home at some point? And she's like, yes, like you will. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think we were very lucky. Like we, yeah, continue to have so much support and she just, yeah, she's just the most beautiful little girl. Like she's just, she's, thrive and she's just yeah she's just the light of our lives like light of everyone's lives. she's very spoiled but um, we're very grateful for her but yes, yeah, so it's my life story I think <laughs> oh my goodness like you know you sort of think of it in chunks but then yeah all put together like we I lived this and you did I'm on the yeah. other side now but it's still there and it's still yeah it's I'm very grateful I'm here to be able to tell my story but it's yeah it doesn't Feel like when when I sort of say it or read it, I'm like, oh goodness, it just doesn't even seem like something I went through. Like it just seems too crazy.
0: <laughs> you're that far distance yeah. from it now,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, the advice that I actually have given to some people already that are pregnant, um, you know, I think it's, it's just it's a real struggle because I think the conversations when you say you're pregnant, you don't want to be the person that's like negative about it, but people focus so much on the pram and the car seat and the, the nursery, but I've said to people like, talk to your family, your friends, your partner about what to look for. Um, Because I think for me, if I wasn't self-aware, it would have taken a lot longer for someone to notice I wasn't okay because, you know, they all meant well. They were like, you know, you just need to have a sleep. You're tired because yeah, you're sleep deprived because you've got a baby, but that's not normal. Like you, if you're crying and not wanting to be around your baby, like, that's not okay like you're not yourself um so I think talking to your support network about what to look for before you have the baby and what what that support can look like would be so important because I know that if I hadn't have noticed there was something wrong I would have had to wait for someone else to figure it out and then they also like they wouldn't have known how to speak to me how to bring that up just have to say to yeah. someone like i don't think you're coping and if you're not recognizing that you're not going to be accepting of it so i think having those conversations yeah. before you have the baby is yeah. so valuable but yeah i think having a bit of a having a discussion having a plan about what what is the strategies if this happens um just Thinking about your postpartum, when I have spoken to people about my experience with people that have had babies, they're like, oh, like I suffered from that. But people were saying like, oh, you're doing great. And they're not. So I have tried to be really open with that. And you don't want to scare people, but you also, I think, yeah, we, as a society, we need to speak about this and be prepared that it's not, you know, it may not go the way you plan. So what's the strategies in place for that? Yeah. What can you do to put a, ease that pressure on yourself? So
0: I agree wholeheartedly. That is very solid advice because I think even if things do go well, having a plan is still important. You know, being able to say, how am I going to get sleep? How am I going to be fed? Am I cooking every day? Like, to know that in advance helps everybody in the family.
1: Yeah not just the month. Yeah, exactly. And I remember like the first night we had Charlotte home, I was obviously like a wreck, barely sleeping. And she was on three hourly feeds. I remember it was like the middle of the night and like Troy was stressed. I was stressed. And I remember like waking him up and he just was frustrated because he was tired and he was like, I'm not going to be able to do this when I go back to work. And I remember being like, you're not going back to work for like six weeks. Like, why are we having this conversation now? But it's, It wasn't really something we had discussed and that was even preparing. We were bringing a baby home. And so once I felt better, we sort of, we planned it out. So I was up every few hours expressing anyway. So he would do like the 10.30 at night feed and I'd go to bed at like 7.30 and then I didn't have to wake up until like 1am so we yeah we had a real schedule so that he managed to get sleep before work but I managed to get sleep as well because as much as I was like yeah okay you've got to go to work but I also have to look after a baby like just because you're at work doesn't mean that that's more important and he was brilliant like we you know and we're on the, again, we're on the other side now, but yeah, we, we still, we're very good communicators and we still had to have, sit down and have that conversation. Yeah. I think it's so important to have those conversations around that logistical stuff. Um, obviously the pram and the car seat is also very exciting, but it's the logistical stuff is more important. So I think for pregnancy, focus on your mental health. I think, yeah, if you're struggling with that, Level of intrusive thoughts like that I was in the anxiety, then, yeah, it's not it's not normal. It's not something you just need to push through.
0: I, I think that is very solid advice yeah. and I can't begin to thank you for coming on and sharing so openly. I barely had to do Yeah, anything. sorry. I,
1: I just, 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 like, like it No, don't night. be sorry. I love
0: it because, like, I think, okay, I need to ask this question and then I build myself up and anxious. I'm like, okay, ready? I need to ask a question. I didn't even yes. have to do that.
1: That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah and you're like you don't have to go chronological and I'm like oh no I'll be I'll be definitely probably have to go chronological because I think my brain will break if <laughs> I'm chronological. so no thank you so much for having me on like I said I've yeah listened to the podcast episodes out so far and I've like spoken to like my friends and stuff about them and I'm like it's it's devastating like some of the stories I've heard that you've been like people that have had to fight so hard I didn't you know I didn't have that but it's giving people the skills and the knowledge to do that though is so so beneficial it comes from people being like able to share their stories and I know that's not always easy it takes you've sort of got to work through that yourself before you're willing to share it but it does make all the difference and I think long term it will collectively you know make such a difference to people
0: thank you to all our listeners for holding space for today's story if you like this episode please leave a review and rating to help me bring you more amazing content join the conversation and be featured on the podcast by sharing your story through my website perinatalstoriesaustralia.com if these stories are a bit too much to listen to or to read right now then come back another time protecting your mental health is the number one priority as always this podcast and its associated blog and social media accounts is not a substitute for therapy or for getting help. No medical advice is provided, only lived experiences. If any of this does resonate though, please reach out to a medical professional. See you next time.